All right, so we are in the, uh, the fourth week of our sermon series on David, and we are learning a lot about David. To be quite honest, this series lasts about six weeks, but literally it could last six months. Um, there's so much that we can unpack in David's life, and we're trying to, to fit it all in and stuff, but I would encourage you, get some books on David. I'm currently read, uh, reading a book um, on David by Chuck Swindoll, but there's a tons of other books that you can read about David and, and lots of stuff online as well, and so, uh, and obviously just reading through God's word uh, through the um, through First and Second Samuel and the Kings about David and his life and what God did through him. We learned in week one about the calling of of David and how God called on his life, and he was just a young boy after God's own heart, and how it's important that God looks in the heart, not at the outward appearance, not how tall or how good-looking you are or whatever, but it's all about what's in the heart. And so God um, picked David, handpicked David, and one reason why he was a man after his own heart, as we found out, is that first of all, he was faithful. He was faithful to do his job with the sheep. Uh, whenever Samuel came uh, to the house to anoint one of the sons of Jesse, where was David? He was out in the sheep, with the sheep. And uh, the other brothers were inside the house. And also, we, got, we have to be open to the move of God. We've got to be open to how God wants to move in our life. You know, he walked into the house, and uh, they called him in. And all of a sudden, this old man, Samuel, saying, hey, Neil, I'm going to pour this oil on you. And he just kind of went with it, Right? And so um, a young boy like that just shows a lot of maturity to know that, that God must be behind this. And so you want to be open to the move of God, to the things of God, how God is talking to you in your life. And you also want to be humble. You know, after, after David was anointed king by Samuel, he did not just broadcast it. He didn't change his Instagram. He didn't print business cards. He didn't tell people, hey, I'm king. He, Bible says he went back to the sheep. Hey, I'm king. Great. Nothing really changes, so I'm going to go back to doing a sheep. And so you, he showed an uh, evidence of humility. And then that next chapter, we talk about how David defeated Goliath and how we can learn some things uh, through that whole um, uh, interaction with David and Goliath and how we, should, we have our own giants to fight. You know, the giant Goliath was after Saul. He was, he was calling out Saul, and uh, he wanted to fight him. And uh, Saul wouldn't have anything to do with it. And it was really Saul's giant to fight. And so when we have a giant in our life, some sort of uh, issue in our life, and, uh, or some sort of uh, problem or, or, or addiction or whatever it is, it is our giant to fight, not somebody else's giant. Um, and just know that that giant is not going to go away. Like Goliath, he was there for 40 days and he was there uh, taunting them in the morning and the evening. And just ignoring your giant, he's not going to go away with that. And uh, just like David, we will sometimes have an unexpected fight. Do you know that your giant will show up when least expected? He will. When things are just going normal, normal throughout your day, your giant will make an appearance. Just like David. Uh, David just went to go see his brothers on the, uh, in the army. Brought him lunch. And uh, he found out, wow, there's a giant. I didn't know about this. And so David really wasn't expecting that. Um, but the reason why David went after the giant is because Goliath was cursing God. I mean, saying cuss words to God, about God. And, and, and David, it got David so angry that he did something about it. You know, that speaks to us as well. The reason why the, that giant in your life is still hanging around is because you're not angry enough. 
You're not angry enough about the situation. I'm not talking about you're angry at a person. You're, you're not angry at the enemy, the devil, whatever it is facing in your life. It's not gotten you angry enough, and so you've yet to confront that giant. And, um, and we also learned that David and his, uh, his brother were, were starting to get in a little bit of an argument. His brother told, told David, David, what are you doing on the front lines? Why are you here? Why aren't you back at the sheep watching the sheep, those little bitty sheep, that little bitty job you have? You have one little job to do, and you're out on the battle lines. You're not even old enough to be out here. And David ignored him, and uh, he chose not to fight his brother he, because it was all about the giant. It was all about the real giant. What that shows us is this. When, when there are people in our lives that, uh, that we're in a situation with, that we are in a squabble with, we tend to put our focus and attention on them and not on the giant. Perfect example, marriage issues, okay? Marriage issues, there are, there's another enemy in your marriage that's causing marriage issues, okay? Yes, I mean, you as a person probably need to, need to give a little, so the other person as well, but you're not supposed to fight one another. You're fighting the wrong enemy, if you do that, you need to fight the real enemy, the real enemy that's out there putting uh, things in your marriage and causing disruptions. And, um, and also we learn that with, uh, with Goliath, there was no sign needed. There was no sign. David, we don't know any indication that, that, that God told David, okay, David, you need to get your sling, get some rocks, and knock this guy out. There's no indication of that. You know why? Because David didn't need a sign. His sign was a giant. Some of us, we like to wait for a sign. Well, it's not really time, you know, to kind of take care of this giant. It's not the, I just need a sign from the Lord. I need a scripture. Okay? I need God to spell out something when I'm, you know, eating my, my SpaghettiOs, you know, or something like that. Or, or whatever it is. But, but God is telling you, look, the sign is in front of you. And it's your giant. You don't need to wait on me to tell you to do something just do it. If you've got a giant in your life, we need to take care of it. And another thing we learned is this. You gotta finish a job. David knocked out that giant, knocked him down with a stone, and then he finished the job. He got Goliath's sword and cut his head off. You know, knocking down our giant is, 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 is one thing, okay? That's one thing. That's great. But it's gonna take more than that. It's gonna take killing that giant, whatever uh, issues you're facing, addictions, problems, uh, relationship issues, finance issues, whatever it is, it's gonna take our right, getting to the root of this and chopping that head off of that giant. So that's what we learned about week two with David. And David was on a huge, huge, like high uh, with, uh, with everybody just talking about him and, uh, and singing his praises. He killed Goliath and it, it was so awesome. And, and uh, we find that um, in, in uh, Samuel uh, chapter 18, verse six and nine, it says, when the men were returning home from, uh, after David had killed the Philistine, the women came out from all the towns of Israel to meet King Saul, with singing and dancing, with joyful songs and with timbrels and lyres. As they danced, they sang, Saul has slain his thousands and David his tens of thousands. Saul was very angry. This refrain displeased him greatly. They have credited David with tens of thousands, he thought, but me with only thousands. What more can he get but the kingdom? And from that time on, Saul kept a close eye on David. And so, 
whenever David finished slaying the giant, automatically there was an issue brewing. There was a problem that David didn't even know about. He will soon know about it because Saul began to get jealous of David. Whoa, 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 I'm the king. I've killed thousands, but they say he, he, he killed tens of thousands. He's getting all the attention. And so David enters, after he's slain the giant, he enters into this, this different season in his life that's, that's pretty dark. This season in his life that, that um, he has all kinds of issues and problems will arise. Sometimes that will happen, uh, happen to us. Whenever there's a victory, don't you ever, don't you ever, Think that after victory, you just feel like you're attacked more. After there's a big victory in your life, okay, you're, you're just attacked even more. And say if you, you want to you know, lose some weight and you, you get to your weight you know, uh, goal and uh, you're, you're celebrating that, but then there's something else that comes up. Okay? There's a finance or a marriage thing or, you know, or whatever, or another kind of relationship issue or a job issue. Whatever, and, and, and so then that kind of brings you back into, you know, the giant that you just got through killing, and that's just how it is sometimes, and so David was not prepared for this. He's still a young guy. He's still a young guy, and so Saul began to be jealous with David, and we even, it even went a little bit further in uh, 1 Samuel 18, cha- uh, chapter 18, verse 10 through 11. The next day, an evil spirit from God came forcefully on Saul. He was prophesying in his house while David was playing the lyre, as he, all, as he usually did. Saul had a spear in his hand, and he hurled it, saying to himself, I'll pin David to the wall, but David eluded him twice. So here we have Saul who is, and Jackson talked about this last week, how Saul is, is now to the point where he's ready to kill David. He's trying to kill David. It's obvious there. It is king. He can get away with it, right? And so David, and this kind of happens again a little bit later on, and in the end of, of this sort of skirmish between him and, and the king, David decides to go away. He's like, you know, I don't think I'm welcome around here. I mean, there's some spears thrown at me from this guy. You know, I may not, not want to be around here. And so he decides to flee. And so all of a sudden, David loses things in his life that he is dependent upon. Loses some things. If you've ever, if you've ever hurt your foot or broken a leg or, or maybe had a knee operation or something where you have to have a crutch, I've never, I've never had to use a crutch, but... Um, you know, I've known many people who have, and, and so they had to, you know, move a little bit slower, and they relied on that crutch. And so David relied on some things in his life, especially as a young guy. And what God wanted to do is this, look, David, I know you're, you're a young man after my own heart, but I want you to be king, and I need to prepare you to be king. And to do that, I need to take some crutches away from you. Because you can't rely, you can't lean upon man. You need to rely and lean upon me, on God. And I'm going to show you how to do that. Because that's going to prepare you, David, to become the greatest king Israel has ever known. And ultimately, ultimately, the line of Jesus. And so um, there were crutches taken away, his good position. I mean, he was, he was leading 
uh, armies. He was, he was leading wars. He was leading, leading battles. That's gone. The crutch of his wife, okay, which was Saul's daughter, okay, gone. The crutch of his counselor, Samuel, couldn't, couldn't hang around him anymore, gone. The crutch of his best friend, Jonathan, which is Saul's son, gone. And so David finds himself all alone and not able to lean on some things in his life. And there are some things happening in his life that is, that is obviously it's troubling, but it's things that, um, that are about to boil over. There are things that, that, Saul, that Saul is doing that is causing some, a, a clash that's about to happen between David and Saul. And so you could just imagine some of the things that could, that could go wrong. And maybe you've been in this situation before. Maybe you've been in this situation to where you've had somebody do something to you or say something about you or even share some things that were not right or were not true. Maybe they're kind of sharing some false information or whatever it is. And there's, there's major, major tension in your life. I would dare to say that David defeated a great giant in Goliath, but there's an even greater giant that he's got to get over, and that is with this situation with Saul. This is situation with Saul. You know, you might have some people in your life kind of like a, a Saul You've done some things in your life, and all you want to do is you want revenge. You don't say it. Oh, but you think it. How do I know that? Because I thought that. Not anybody in this room. But you, you probably thought, you know, it wouldn't be so bad if God just kind of, you know, visited them a little bit, caused some things in their life. Maybe I need to pray for God to kind of mess them up a little bit. Or say if there's some bad luck come their way, maybe you're like, you know, they deserve that. For what they've done to me, what they've done to me, they deserve that. Isn't that easy for us as human beings, even believers, to be able to have that sort of sinful thought in our life? You know what? They deserve that because of what? They've done to me. And so that is a position that David could have easily have found himself in, into facing that giant. You know, it's one thing to face a giant that's, that's talking about your God, okay? It's one thing to face a giant that, that you have to sort of do some things to get over. But it's a whole different kind of giant whenever someone is talking about you or someone is, is going against you and there's no reason and it's false and you don't understand and it's even someone that you would not even suspect. Maybe even a family member, a close friend, a coworker, students. You may have some students in your life, some friends in your life who may have done that uh, to you and you're like, what did I do? Why are they doing this? And so that is a more difficult giant to fight because it's someone that you, you least expect would do something and shouldn't be saying something about you. And it's like, what do I do with this? How do I handle this? 
it's more difficult to fight that kind of giant than, a, than a other kinds of giants in our life. And so that's where David finds himself. And so we have two men, David and Saul. And Saul is after David, accusing him of some things that he did not do, jealous of David. He's going after David. He's trying to kill David. And David is running for his life. He, he has scrounged up about 600 men that were sort of rejects in the army and guys that were loyal to him. And, and they've come to him and he has a sort of band of army, David's men, David's fighting men that he has assembled and God has brought to him. But it's no match for the army that Saul has going after David. And so in, this, in today's message, we're going to see that there's one man who will show us how to behave in a cave. There's one man who will show us how to behave in a cave. Let me explain. In 1 Samuel chapter 24, verse 1 through 7, it says this, after Saul returned from pursuing the Philistines, he was told David is in the desert of En Gedi. So Saul took 3,000 able young men from all Israel and set out to look for David and his men near the crags of the wild goats. He came to the sheep pens along the way. A cave was there, and Saul went in to relieve himself. Yes, that's, you've read that right. Isn't the Bible just so real, right? You got that picture? Um, David and his men were far back in the cave. So it was a pretty big cave. You got about 600 men in that cave. The men said, this is the day the Lord spoke of when he said to you, I will give your enemy into your hands for you to deal with as you wish. Then David crept up unnoticed, cut off a corner of Saul's robe. Afterward, David was conscience stricken for having cut off a corner of his robe. He said to his men, the Lord forbid that I should do such a thing to my master, the Lord's anointed, or lay my hand on him, for he is anointed of the Lord. With these words, David sharply rebuked his men and did not allow them to attack Saul. And Saul left the cave and went his way. Now, you have this situation where the man who's after David, who spread all kinds of stuff, and he's, he is trying to kill the man. And he's there all alone in a cave doing his business. And David and his men see him from a distance and are like, all right, now's the time. What this is saying is this. The men are saying to David, come on, you deserve to kill him. God has put him right here. You deserve to kill him. He deserves death. Maybe there's people in your life who is speaking to you. Maybe you're in a relationship situation and, and maybe you're facing a different kind of giant that's hard to, uh, hard to deal with. And you got people in your life saying, you know what? You deserve this. You deserve this kind of, this, this revenge. Or, or that person deserves this. That family member should never have talked to you like this. That friend never should have talked to you like this. You know, whatever the case may be, that coworker. And so David did not listen to them. And how do we know? Because he didn't kill them. <laughs> I found it humorous. He just went over and cut off a corner of his robe. It's amazing how he got away with that. Cut off a corner of his robe 
And, and in fact, he even rebuked the men. He said, you know what? I shouldn't even have done that. No, I don't want you to kill this man. Because he had, he had 600 guys with him in the cave, in the, in the depths of the cave. And they could have come out and totally taken out Saul. And so he rebuked them for that. So what he did is he did not stand for any kind of peer pressure. David resisted the peer pressure. If, if, you, want to, if you want to defeat a, a bigger giant in your, in your life, then what you want to do is you want to listen to the peer pressure of those people around you. You want to listen to your conscience. You want to listen to how the Holy Spirit is talking to you. And that's what David did, as we saw. And so you don't want to bow down to the peer pressure of what other people are trying to tell you. Let's read on, verse 8 through 12. It says this, that David went out of the cave and called out to Saul. So now Saul has left the cave, has probably gone down, out of the cave, down into this, this area, this oasis. And so he called out to Saul, my lord the king. When Saul looked behind him, David bowed down, prostrated himself with his face to the ground, he said to Saul, why do you listen when men say David is bent on harming you? This day you have seen with your own eyes how the Lord delivered you into my hands in the cave. Some urged me to kill you, but I spared you. I said, I will not lay my hand on my Lord because he is the Lord's anointed. See, my father, look at this piece of your robe in my hand. I cut off the corner of your robe, but did not kill you. See that there is nothing in my hand to indicate that I am guilty of wrongdoing a rebellion. I have not wronged you, but you are hunting me down to take my life. May the Lord judge between you and me, and may the Lord avenge the wrongs you have done to me, but my hand will not touch you. How do you defeat a giant? Now, David had a choice. Did David have to go out of the cave? No. I wouldn't have. Are you kidding me? He had 3,000 men out there. I would only have 600. You do the math. And so David just, with the move of the Holy Spirit in his life, with God speaking to his life, he, he walked out of the cave and was bold enough to talk to Saul. And so how do you defeat this kind of giant, this kind of problem in your life. Number one, with humility. Do you see how, how David bowed down to the ground and put his face to the ground when as soon as he started talking with Saul, Saul turned around, looked at David, the first thing he saw David do was bow down and say, my Lord, the king. He, was, he approached it with humility. When you, when you have people in your life that are causing strife with you, that are causing issues in your life, that are talking about you, and if you don't have them now, you will, how can you defeat those giants? Humility. Number one, humility. Second thing, mercy. You can have mercy on them. You could treat them like how God would treat them. David showed mercy on Saul. He could have taken his life. And so 
you and I can, can show people how it's really done, how to behave in a cave by showing them humility and showing them mercy. Showing them mercy. And what, what, do we, uh, what do we get also? We get truth. We have, we have humility, we have mercy. I could have taken your life, but we also see truth. Back where it says in, in, um, in verse 12, may the Lord's judge between you and me. May the Lord avenge the wrongs you have done to me, but my hand will not touch you. The wrongs you have done to me. David was able to share truth to Saul. He said, Saul, look, look, you got to understand what you're doing, Saul. You're talking about me, and it, it's a false narrative. You're saying things about me, and they're all not true. And so I'm here to share with you the truth. Can I tell you something? What we're about to hear, Saul's response, Saul accepted the truth. You know why I believe Saul accepted the truth? It's because David started with humility and then David led with mercy. And then he led with truth. You know, when we start to combat people, to confront people who may have wronged us with the truth, they're not gonna accept it as well as if you start with humility and mercy. Some of you may have confronted people with the truth. Well, you talked about me. Oh, no, I didn't. Oh, yes, you did. And so, you confront people with the truth first, they're not gonna bite that. But when you start with humility and mercy and then truth, they're going to accept it a lot more as we see in verse 16 through 22. When David finished saying this, Saul asked, is that your voice, David, my son? And he wept aloud. You are more righteous than I, he said. You have treated me well, but I have treated you badly. You have just now told me about the good you did to me. The Lord delivered me into your hands, but you did not kill me. When a man finds his enemy, does he let him get away unharmed? May the Lord reward you well for the way you have treated me today. I know that you will surely be king and that the kingdom of Israel will be established in your hands. Now swear to me by the Lord that you will not cut off my descendants or wipe out my name from my father's family. So David gave his oath to Saul. Then Saul returned home, but David and his men went up, back up to the stronghold there at the oasis. What was Saul's response First of all, we have confession. We have confession. We see that. You are more righteous. You treated me badly, but I've treated you. You treated me well, but I've treated you badly. 
there's confession by him. And then there's gratefulness. He's grateful. Oh, David, I'm grateful you did not take my life. He's grateful. When you, when you have people in your life that, that are causing major issues and you confront them with, with humility and mercy and then the truth, they're going to most likely lead with some confession. You know what? You're right. And I'm so grateful that, you know, you didn't talk bad about me, or you didn't fire me, or you didn't do this, or that, or whatever. I'm so grateful you didn't do that. They may not say it those exact words, but they may show it in their actions. And so Saul, Saul has confession, and he has gratefulness. And then the last, he has peace. He has peace. Because he asked David, David, I know you're going to be king. But just could you do one thing for me? Just don't wipe my name out. Don't wipe out my family. Because that's what a lot of kings would do. You go, you go read First and second kings, it was like all over. I mean, one king would establish and then king all, kill all the other descendants of the other king. And, and it's bad. And so Saul asked David, please don't kill off my family. And David promised. And I believe Saul believed him because <laughs> he could have just killed him. And so Saul walked away from peace. How do we know there was peace? Well, they didn't fight. Because if Saul wanted to, he could have snapped his fingers. 3,000 men could have gone in that cave, wiped them all out. But he did not. He decided to go back home, and David and his men stayed there. There was peace. For a moment, as we get on to the life of David, more. But... When you approach people in your life, and I encourage you to approach people, because remember, the giants in your life aren't going anywhere if you, if you ignore them. They're going to stay there. And the biggest giant in, to, I don't know, in my life, the biggest giants are those that people are just kind of talking about you, saying stuff about you. And it's like, that's, those are the giants that you lose sleep over the most, and so when you approach them, it's like, you know what? I'm going to handle this differently. I'm going to show, I'm going to show who the better man is, the better woman is in this situation. I'm going to approach this with humility, with mercy, but I'm also going to sprinkle in some truth. And then hopefully there will be some confession, there will be some gratefulness, and there will ultimately be peace. Because see, Humility, mercy, and truth is how you defeat a giant. But confession, gratefulness, and peace is how you transform a giant. So humility, mercy, and truth, you defeat a giant. Confession, gratefulness, and peace is how you transform a giant. Now let me turn this around. 
We've been looking at it from David, from his viewpoint. Let's look at it from Saul. Are you possibly in a situation where instead of you being David, could you be Saul? Is there someone in your life that you have wronged, that you may have talked about, that you may have treated badly, that you know you, you owe them an apology, that you know you've got to go before them with confession, with gratefulness, and then ultimately peace will follow? Are you Saul today? It's easy to talk about David. It's not so easy to talk about from the vantage point of Saul. And so if you have done something in someone's life, maybe you need to evaluate your heart. Maybe you need to tell the Lord, Lord, here is my heart, Lord. And then go to that person or those people or whatever it is and say, you know what? I was wrong. I was wrong. And and I'm grateful that you brought it to my attention. And so let's make peace. Let's make peace. You know, the, the conflict between David and Saul was very real. And, but this particular scene is very touching and very applicable to our life. And I love how this continues on throughout David's life and on into his son, Solomon. Because Solomon later wrote in Proverbs chapter 16, verse 7, it says this, when the Lord takes pleasure in anyone's way, he causes their enemies to make peace with them. When the Lord takes pleasure in anyone's way, he causes their enemies to make peace with them. Do you have people that you're just not at peace with? Maybe there's some evaluating you need to do as well. Maybe God is like, okay, I need you to, I need you to tweak some things. I need you to come before me. I need you to walk in humility. I need you to walk in righteousness. I need, I need you to walk in mercy. And so if God is pleased with your way, he's going to make even some enemies in your life at peace with you. And so lead with those attributes of, uh, of humility, mercy, and truth. Or maybe if you, uh, if you might need to lead with confession, gratefulness, and ultimately peace. You know, you'll never regret forgiving someone who, does, who doesn't deserve it. Let me say that again. You'll never regret forgiving someone who doesn't deserve it. You'll never regret forgiving someone who doesn't deserve it. Can I tell you something? You and I don't, don't deserve forgiveness, do we? But Jesus came and he forgave us. He forgave us even knowing all that we will do. You may say, Frank, that was 2,000 years ago. You know, that one sacrifice was for all time. Past, present, future. He knew exactly 
what he was dying for. He was dying for your sins, for my sins. And so we don't deserve that. But he did anyway. And so you'll never regret forgiving someone who doesn't deserve it. And so if you're sitting here today and you say, Frank, I'm, I, I just, I need to forgive some people. I, I'm like David or I'm like Saul or, and it depends on where you're at in this, in this relationship, in this, in this situation. You know, either you need to lead with some, with some uh, humility and mercy, truth or confession, gratefulness, peace, wherever you're at. Or you could be sitting here today and saying, you know, Frank, I don't have peace in my heart. You mentioned peace. I don't have peace in my life because God is not, I just don't feel like God is right there with me. I just feel like, I feel like I'm not making peace with God. And so I want to give you that opportunity. So every head bowed, every eye closed. We, we like to give people an opportunity to sort of make uh, make an action step, to, make a, to, to, to do something about it. We don't like to just talk about it. We like to do something, to make a step about it. And so if you're sitting here today and you say, Frank, I just, I've got some people I need to forgive or I need to go to this person and, and lead with, with humility and, and mercy and truth. Uh, and this, this person is just, is just causing issues. Or maybe they've come to me and I'm, I'm more like Saul and I've, I'm not offered forgiveness. I'm not offered confession or gratefulness or try to get some peace about this. If that is you, I want you to just lift that up to the Lord, that name. I want you to just whisper it to the Lord, that name. That maybe, maybe that group of people, maybe you've got several people in your life. And now I want you to ask God, God, give me strength. Give me strength to be like David or like Saul. Give me strength to lead like I should lead. Help me to forgive. And if you're sitting here today and you've never accepted Christ as Savior, you've got, you still have peace in your heart because of the sin in your life, I want you to just simply say, God, I'm sorry. Please forgive me. I believe that Jesus is your son. And I believe he died for me. And I ask you, Jesus, to be Lord of my life. I need peace in my life. I need peace in my heart. Come bring me peace. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.